Super Talk Mississippi media production. For a free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy afternoon to everybody. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson with another edition of the Eagle Hour from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us this afternoon, wherever you're tuned in on our Super Talk affiliates or perhaps online. Uh, glad to have you with us for another hour of Southern Miss Sports Talk. All right. I uh, appreciate you tuning in today. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of this show and, of course, Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy their delicious food seven days a week. And it's always fresh. It's always delicious. You can dine in again or you can enjoy takeout or home delivery of Dickie's Barbecue. Kevin Weldon, who is the manager of the new D1 uh, baseball training facility, is going to be joining us later in the show uh, but first, we wanted to uh, visit with a guy that uh, is no stranger to listeners here in the southern part of the state. Neville Barr was a wide receiver for Southern Miss from 1970 through 75. Uh, he coached at Pedal High School uh, for quite a number of years. I believe also maybe Summerall. He can correct me if I'm wrong. But then in Oak, went to Oak Grove in 2001, a team that had only won five games in its previous five years, uh, led him to the playoffs his first season, ended up winning uh, two 5A South Division Championships and a state championship, uh, and we're glad to have him. 113 wins at Oak Grove and a great football player at Southern Miss. Coach Barr, thanks for coming on the Eagle Hour. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we uh, wanted to talk to you because we have been discussing for some time here uh, throughout the spring since we had no games to talk about, Coach. We've uh, we've talked a lot about what may be, and, uh, of course, high school football uh, is near the top of that list uh, with COVID-19. The NCAA announces just yesterday that they've taken the first steps toward uh, putting together a plan to get college football back going. But what are high school coaches actually going through right now, Coach Barr, and, and how difficult is it uh, – for coaches to get ready to play football, but at the same time deal with all the uncertainties of this virus? Right. Well, you know, I think any time that, that any of us deal with anything, kind of the unknown, that's kind of the scary thing with with anything. I think football coaches are going to do what they, you know, in the high school ones that I talked to, and they're going to continue to do what they, they do is get guys ready to play. Of course, you're doing it in a different way now. I know this, this first week, you know, they've started back in, in the um, – I mean, the high school teams have started back with the, their all-season program, but they really can't use the football right now. You know, it's all conditioning and uh, trying to get used to the heat again and just get everybody in shape. I think that's going to be the first two weeks that you have to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I think they go into the next phase where, you know, you can use the football if you want and you can start doing some more football-oriented things. Are they going to have to – are there going to be guidelines to keep kids separate to uh... – to yeah, try to avoid yeah. the you know the constant that, exposure, that's going to be and, and that's the hard part. You know, I mean, right now I know they, uh, you know, like in the weight room, you can only have so many people in the weight room, and I don't think you can have actually spotters. So you're going to have to, you, you know, you're going to have to kind of cut back on the uh, the amount of weight you're lifting. 
but uh, because you can't really have somebody standing over you on the bench press or something like that to spot. So, you know, that makes it a little more difficult. But, you know, one thing about coaches and in general, you know, I mean, they, they you know, they, they want to win. They want to be the best. So they're going to try to find a way to to get the job done in whatever circumstances there are. And, uh, but, but, but it is, I mean, they are doing that. They're keeping them separate. I think you can only have – have so many in the weight room. It depends on your size of your weight room, but uh, but I think you can only have like 25 indoors. I think that's what it is at a time, you know. In the and um, and of course outside, you, you know, they try to keep you can it's easier to keep them separated, you know, because right now again they're just running and doing that. And mm-hmm. but I think the first week, you know, went pretty good. All right, Luke, Coach, uh, we we talked about this yesterday. I was I was asked uh, particularly, you know, when I played for Jeff Bauer and. You're trying to, obviously, like you just said, win as a head coach and uh, keep everybody together. But as a head coach, and particularly with these college coaches, these high school coaches, they're, they're probably just going to follow medical professionals when they tell them how they should, uh, you know, how they should respond and how they should check kids and how they should separate kids. And I know you as a former head coach, that's exactly what you would do, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Matter of fact, the best thing that ever happened. And, you know, you think about the early days of the 60s and stuff going all the way back there when I played high school. And when I first started coaching in the 70s, you know, you didn't even have trainers on the sidelines, you know, when you, you when you first were on the sidelines. You didn't have trainers. I mean, you didn't have, a, uh, you know, all the medical. Now, so as a head coach, you had to make the decision when a kid, you know, went back in or when he didn't go back in. And you know that's not a good thing when the head coach is having to make a decision on whether a guy can play with a broke arm or not. <laughs> So, yeah, I think following, you know, you're going to have a lot of people, you know, that's going to be in a lot of guidelines to follow. So that that's going to be, and that's what coaches are going to do. They're going to, I think they're going to put the safety first because they know they're, you know, those guidelines have got to happen. We've got to follow those to be able to play. When you look at Southern Miss, uh, new uh, offensive coordinator Matt Kubik comes in, uh, Tony Pecorero comes back. So you got two new coordinators, and you didn't have spring ball. I mean, it's going to be pretty interesting what the NCAA decides to allow teams to do in July because you don't get to learn a new offense in the spring. Obviously, there's been, you know, Jack Abraham, you would think, has uh, uh, the crash course on the playbook, these voluntary workouts. But how important are these voluntary workouts because you don't know what you're going to get and you lost an entire spring to learn uh, two new sides of the ball? Well, you know, I think they're crucial, and I think, uh, and you're right. The one good thing with uh, with Southern Miss is even Jack is they got a guy who I think what he's played in about 22 ball games already, so he does have, like you said, some experience. But yeah, all this right now is crucial to to getting ready and getting you know your receivers on the, with him, getting those receivers on the same page with him, and uh, you know this is going to be big. But you know, I mean, sometimes I, I think. People's playbooks need to be cut down a little bit, and you need to and you need to have just just your performance needs to be better. You know, you have some of those old school coaches, less plays and less things, but let's do it with a lot of perfection. Right, coach. Is it fair to say that a that a school that maybe didn't have a change in coaching staff didn't have a, a new offensive coordinator, they will be at an advantage uh, when and if we have college football over a school like USM that did undergo those changes. Right. Yeah, I think you you probably got a good point there. I mean, I'm sure there there is there's definitely going to be a small you know a small advantage or maybe a big advantage. It depends on what the which what the program is. But uh, but yeah, that's definitely an advantage if you've already you know got the same staff and you and you so your players know exactly what you're 
you know, what you expect of them and, and, and what you're doing offensively and our defensively. Right. You know, Coach, I think you and I are about the same age. And so we can remember back in the days playing football where if you – if you went to your coach and you told him you didn't feel well or you felt sick and you were too hot, they would hand you a couple of salt tablets, say, eat those and shut up. Am I right about yeah. that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I can remember where, you know, it was, you didn't even, you know, you couldn't hardly even get water. You know, it was a bad thing to uh, drink too much water, which is now, and you know, and it was, it was, and it was uh, funny, but, you know, in the last, gosh, 25, 30 years of my 40-year career, I, we let them drink all the water. Not only do we have water breaks, but we had water sit up where, they, you know, they could run over there real quick out of the drill and get the water if they wanted to, mm-hmm. which was definitely a totally different thing than, than what I was brought up with, you know. Right. All right. About a minute, uh, a little over a minute and a half left, Coach. I want to take you back to your playing days, 1970, 1975. Is there one game, one moment, one afternoon that to this day sticks out in your mind? Well, you, you know, the uh, as far as a, a, one of the most exciting things that sticks out of my the couple things that stick out of my mind is when we went to Legion Field and played Birmingham, I mean, played Alabama at Birmingham. They were number one, I think, with 72, 73, and, and just lining up a split in out there and seeing Coach Bryant stand out over there on the sidelines <laughs> with his hat. That, that in itself was big to me. Right. And I, you know, you remember that. And, and another thing I remember is when Johnny Vault, you know, had retired, and then they brought him back in about the fourth game. I'll never forget the atmosphere of the chill bumps in the air when he came out of that tunnel. And those fans, and those fans, and you could just, you could, eat, I mean, even on the Southern Miss sidelines, I could feel like, gosh, we're, we're in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you could just feel on electricity <laughs> that it was unbelievable. And, uh, but just playing with all those guys I played with, I mean, you know, and from, from Ray Guy to all those guys, we, so many great guys, and, and, uh, just remembering the practices and the fun and, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, I always think back to, I wish, you know, Barney Poole was receiver coach for me. You know, this is one of the greatest football players in the history of the game. I mean, he was a, played on two Army National Championships team, was a four-time All-American right here from Mississippi. And, and you know, and, and uh, when I think of Barney, I went to West Point a few years ago and got to see his name up there on the, you know, all the Army greats. So just all the there's so many. That's the thing about football: the relationships and the and just the times that you have with people is is, is just unforgettable. Uh, once a golden eagle, We're always a golden eagle, right, Coach? Right, absolutely. <laughs> we appreciate your time, Coach. Remind everybody that uh, Coach is a co-host of Inside the Locker Room. You can hear that show every Thursday night on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Laurel. And we appreciate you being part of the family, Coach. And we appreciate well, your time this afternoon. I enjoy it. Thank you very much, guys. All right. Coach Neville Barr, everybody, former Southern Miss great, certainly a legendary high school football coach. All right. When we come back, talk a little baseball, baseball training next on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. I want to thank uh, baseball or f- baseball football coach Neville Barr for joining us in the first segment of the show. Of course, wide receiver for the Golden Eagles from 1970 through 75. Kelly Center will be joining us later in the program. 
This segment sponsored by our good friends down at Campus Bookmart. Uh, wherever you're listening around the state this afternoon, you can buy your Southern Miss apparel and have it delivered to your house. You just go to campusbookmart.net, browse their great inventory of merchandise, pick out what you like. They'll ship it right to you. They're open again on Hardy Street right across from the campus. If you're listening locally, you can, of course, visit our good friends there, and you'll find the biggest array of Southern Miss apparel anywhere on the planet. Kevin Weldon is the manager for the new D1 training facility here in Hattiesburg. We want to thank them for their support of the Eagle Hour. We're glad to have them a part of the Eagle Hour family. And excited, Kevin, about letting people know about this uh, great facility. This is a... this is a world-class, first-class uh, athletic training facility right here in Hattiesburg, right? Yes, sir, absolutely. Uh, we are one of a kind here. Um, we look to make an impact on the community to improve athletes of all ages, uh, hopefully to, to work out with us uh, as, as much as they are able to, um, to improve their, their craft. And give our listeners just an overview of all of the training that you're offering. I know it's I know it's from sure. it's from kids to adults. Am I right? Every sport. Yes, sir. That's correct. Uh, every sport, um, every skill. Uh, we train uh, children from seven all the way through eighteen years old. Uh, we train college college athletes and adult athletes, um, and and we have some pro athletes training with us as well. Um, and we. We, am, we seek to improve their athleticism. We are, we're getting them bigger, stra- uh, faster, stronger. Um, we do sports-specific training as well as our strength and conditioning training. Yeah, I wanted to get into that just a little bit. Uh, you do sports-specific, as, as you said. So uh, the, the conception that it may be just a baseball training facility, wrong, correct? Every sport. Absolutely. Yes, sir. We have a, we have a uh, facility adjacent to us that is baseball and softball uh, training um, specifically on uh, batting and uh, pitching cages, but we are a separate entity, and we train uh, every sport there is, uh, every position there can be, um, and also do the strength and conditioning portion as well. So, Kevin, is it is it accurate to say that if we sent Luke Johnson there, you could have him punting again like he did in his college days yeah. with just in a matter of weeks? Am I correct? <laughs> we would definitely strive to. Uh, obviously, it, it takes a lot of hard work from the individual, um, but we have the programming that is. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, we have the we got the programming that that is uh, science backed and structured to uh, to get the athlete to their best in the shortest amount of t- uh, time possible. You, you Absolutely, hear the, you hear that, Luke? The big forty five yard spirals are just a few days away. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm really excited. Just the 45 yards now means the ball would only go 45 yards because when you punt it, you add 15 more to it. So, yeah, it would be about a 30-yard punt. That's about the best I can do. <laughs> Kevin, um, you, you brought up something that I think is very important. You know, you talk about um, training for, for kids as, as young as seven. It's so important for kids, especially who are growing, even when you get into high school, junior high, you got those growth plates that are going on, and the wrong type of training can permanently hurt kids from growing and and fulfilling um, who they could be, right? Absolutely. And uh, the great thing is, you know, the programs themselves are not usually the the bad thing. I mean, there's obviously optimal programming, but programs themselves aren't bad. It's it's how they're taught and and how they're – how they're given out to these these kids and so our our age groups are broken down into three different groups and for those seven to eleven year olds we we work with them on correct movement patterns on how their how their body should move in in certain ways whether it's you know linearly or whether it's doing agility work um, change of direction movements 
they're going to learn the right way to move, not only to, to be more efficient, um, but to be safe. Uh, and, and that goes through all the way to the collegiate level. Right now, all these college athletes haven't been able to do very much, and they, they need somewhere to train and train pop properly, um, who's also taken into account their safety due to their uh, lack of conditioning. Yeah, and, and that's one thing that we wanted to talk to you more about. There's been, a, as you said, because of COVID, places have been su- shut down. A, a lot of gyms have been shut down. And really this summer, guys that are looking to get back in shape that maybe can't work out at their own facilities, you guys are a great place for college and, and high school athletes really uh, to get back in shape and get ready for the next season. Yes, sir. Uh, at, we are absolutely the perfect place to come train because what we do is not allow you to come in and, and work out um, only. We have coaches who lead our workouts. They program our workouts for our college athletes, and they have all been college athletes themselves and have studied strength and conditioning for years and are, are the best people here in our community that can put together a program that will ensure um, the best outcome for those athletes all the way to college level. So, Kevin, tell us the genesis of this. How, how did this? Uh, how did this endeavor get started? It's really a, it's a big facility. You combine it. Uh, you, it's really two facilities within one. Am I right? Tell us how it all got underway. Yes, sir. So, um, our owner uh, had the had the uh, vision of creating the the DBAT side, which is the softball and training academy. He knew the the kind of uh, startups of those, of uh, and he had this huge facility at Gaddy Town. Um, and the, the model for the DBAT side was, was only about half of what he needed, so he didn't know what to do with the other half. Uh, and he happens to also know the uh, founder uh, of D1 Training, um, met him through an organization uh, that they're together in, and it just kind of hit him, um, wanted to put this in there. We do have an 11,000-square-foot facility on, on the D1 side, and, uh, which is bigger than, than most. Um, and it, it just kind of just kind of happened that way, you know. That nobody's ever put together these two types of facilities and, and this opportunity um, to get everything you need kind of in one uh, one place. And, and honestly, it's the the vision behind it though was giving the community something um, that they could utilize to make themselves better, um, <clears throat> to keep them, you know, focused on on productive things and. To, to build kids up, to allow them, uh, you know, an edge to the competition that so many places in different parts of the country already have. All right. Now, this training is being actually conducted by some, some pretty substantial former athletes themselves, some of which uh, have some Southern Miss connections. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, well, one of them, uh, Marcellus Campbell, he has been a strength coach for a, multi, a bunch of different uh, colleges, worked at USM before, um, played at USM before, and uh, as well as Constance Quinn, who, who know, the, the community knows her. Uh, she did go to LSU. She played softball, basketball over there. Um, uh, all of our coaches, again, they have, they have significant backgrounds as an athlete, and as coaching athletes. Right. And so, and you have two universities right here. You have the NAIA school, William Carey, of course, with a very active athletic department and obviously a southern you know, a division one school in, in Southern Miss. Did that play a role in, in moving to Hattiesburg or was it maybe the 
you know, the large youth sports programs around here and, and you know, the uh, the richness of high school athletics? Yes, sir. So the the biggest por- portion of it is is having the youth um, sports community here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not only such uh, amazing untapped potential and talent in, in the kids in the surrounding area um, that need to be exposed, but but just the the amount of people um, that can that can be improved by something like this, and the community that can be improved by something like this. Right. Uh, you know, the the youth sports is really why it was put together. Why it was um, the why it became uh, a thing, and 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 that's really what we want to touch on. And the the colleges are great. Um, we we love to work with colleges. We want to work with colleges, but not to not to outshine the junior colleges around here. Um, we're going to work with right. uh, we're going to work with some of the JUCOs around here uh, already in talking with some of the coaches from those places and some of the coaches at William Carey. Um, you know the the bigger schools have the have the funding and have the facilities to to get things like this. We really want to make sure we're offering this um, to everyone, but but especially to those who who don't have access to the resources. All right, good deal. Anything else from you, Luke? I'm just, uh, I guess my attitude has changed from about seven or eight uh, uh, minutes ago. If you can actually get me punting back 45, 50 yards, uh, I'll believe whatever you want to tell me for the rest of my life. Love that. Yes, sir. Well, hey, anybody and everybody is welcome to come down and give it a try. Um, We're always offering a free workout to anybody who wants to try it. You can come get our D1 experience. I can guarantee you it's nothing like you've ever uh, experienced in any other facility, gym, anything like that, uh, you're going to be filled with a, a sense of team and camaraderie, and you know, the motivation and inspiration you get from our coaches that lead the workouts is is unparalleled. All right, Kevin, we want to thank you, man, and we want to thank you for becoming part of the Eagle Hour family, and uh, best of luck to you guys uh, at your new facility here in town. Thank you so much. Had a great time here. Appreciate right. y'all. Good deal. Kevin Weldon, everybody, who is the general manager of the new D1 training facility. Back in the day, Luke, no such thing as a sophisticated training facility like that. Now they start training them young, don't they? I'm still trying to see you eating salt pills Yeah. with Coach Did Moore you ever eat a salt uh, pill? Did you ever field. have to eat a salt pill? The ones that we found, uh, Mike Taylor used to use them back in the uh, late 80s, but I think they were expired by the time I got to high school. Right. They're delicious. You should. uh, It's quite a treat, let me tell you. 110 degrees and warm water and salt pails. My God, it's just, I'm flooded with great memories. (laughs) We'll be back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Tuesday. Appreciate you joining us for the Eagle Hour today. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Third segment brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Stop by 4th Street. Get that famous eight ninety five lunch. Now back inside. It comes with a free drink, and it's eight ninety five every single day at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly John Sanner joins us from uh, wherever he is in this amazing world. Uh, are you just kind of holding it down out there in uh, West Hattiesburg, Kelly? 
Hey, I'm, I'm moving though, Luke. Like we've talked about before, I, I never sit still. That's how Lincoln got it. So I just want to keep moving. You know, <laughs> like moving addresses or just like moving around. No, across hard to hit a moving right target, now. Yeah. Like hard to hit a moving target. I was going to say something, but I won't. Anyway, Mississippi Today, Rick Cleveland, with a great article. When you look at the all-time Mississippi or Mississippi all-time all-pro team, Mississippi takes an, a backseat to nobody. Now, Rick's talking about this. These are native-born Mississippians. Um, these are not people from uh, imports from out of state. So if you're thinking Southern Miss, Ray Guy can't be on this. Lewis Lips can't be on this. Um, other people from, from different areas can't be on this. Kelly, if, if I were to give you three quarterbacks, native-born Mississippi quarterbacks, who would you take? Well, Brett Favre, of course. Yes. Oh, you want me to pick three? Three, yeah. Um, Brett Favre, touchdown Tommy Waters. Is he in there? Oh, come on, come on. <laughs> you can go outside Southern Miss if you want to, okay? You can do that. <laughs> oh, I can go outside. Oh, you're talking about Mississippi born. Let me, let me end this. Let me end this okay. before this gets any worse. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Favre, Archie Manning, Steve McNair. Okay, and if you we didn't, if you, if you chose outside of that. Tommy Waters. You could have Willie Totten, you could have Reggie, you could have Charlie Connery. Connerly. Oh yeah, how do we how do we and miss just Reggie? The, forget forget yeah. Archie Manning, Reggie Collier, Brett Favre, <laughs> Steve McNair. Manning's yeah. gone. Forget him. And, and, so and you got Willie Totten on there too. No, oh, he's backup. No honorable no, he's, mention. He's not. I got you. Okay. Touchdown. <laughs> Kelly on, on the quarterbacks, and um, I think I think uh, Bob was alive when Charlie Connerly per- played. I was. Um, I knew him what personally. Was it like, what, what was it like to have a decade of Southern Miss sports like that, where you, you had Reggie, you had a few years, and then Brett came? I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to have two quarterbacks like that within years of each other at the same school. Do you address it to Bob or to me? I'm sorry. You. Oh, okay. Kelly's um, struggling today. Isn't he? <laughs> well, I, I didn't know if he was if he was talking to you or. or yeah, no, I think it's the Tommy Waters thing. Just has this awful little balance. Here. Well, I mean, you know, there's 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 clear clearly a uh, a voting procedural problem if touchdown Tommy Waters is not on that list. But um, you know, I don't. I really can't name of uh, of many clunkers when you look at the entire list of quarterbacks. Throughout the years, I mean, Anthony Anderson, uh, you know, Anthony Anderson, I think was was in there between those two, um, and then of course you had the, the Jeff Kellys that came along, and or Todd. I'm getting all the, my names mixed up here, uh, but I think Jeff Kelly, you know, was in there, and of course uh, the guy with the Seahawks now, Austin Davis. Davis right. I mean, Southern Miss has had great quarterbacks all throughout the years. I think you know, lots of times. Uh, you know, the, the running backs are the ones that, that get the most credit and things like that, or, or our linebackers. But, man, there have been great quarterbacks all through those years. No and question. as the game has, has evolved, our quarterbacks have gotten oh. just as good. So, so who were the running backs, Luke? Walter Payton. From Columbia. Columbia. Deuce McAllister. Amory, right? That's where Deuce is from. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Technically, like Ludlow, I think. Wilbert Montgomery from yeah. Greenville. Played for the Two Eagles. that I wrote in that, that weren't on there. These are Southern Miss guys. You got Go-Go Gary from Pascagoula and Willie Heidelberg uh, from uh, Murrah and Jackson. Those are the, the two Southern Miss guys that I would put on that list. Uh, now, receivers obviously are led by Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. Um, Eric Moulds. How about Ray Perkins making the list out of downtown Pedal? Well, yeah, it's easy to forget, but Ray Perkins played for the Baltimore Colts, caught passes from Johnny Unitas, was an All-American at Alabama, was uh, you know a very pronounced NFL football player, Kelly Sander, I think played in some championship games. Uh, pretty legendary dude, Ray Perkins. Yeah, class of 1960 or 61 at yeah, Battle High School, yeah. which is not, not far from Hattiesburg there. He deserves to be on that list, I think, no question about that. Oh, and, and, and what Tight end, uh, to... a guy named uh, Wesley Walls. You remember him? He yep. played in uh, right. Super Bowl with the Panthers, right? And played Ray, in Ole Chris Mangum from McGee, who's who's speaking of pedal. I think he's a banker over in, in pedal now. Mm-hmm. Um, John Mangum, defensive back out of Alabama, who's also from McGee and a brother of Chris Mangum. You know, I mean. Pretty impressive you, stuff. I mean, really it, it think really about is, it. Yeah. You know? All right, Luke, tell us before we run out of time, who were the linebackers of the who were the defensive players? Now keep in keep in mind that this is an all pro team, okay? So right. uh Jamie Jamie Collins makes it. I would say if you if you left the uh, the pro part out about it, Rod Davis is uh without a question number uh you know, the one of the top ones. He just didn't play that long in, in the NFL. But Jamie Call or Jamie Collins makes a list, KJ Wright makes the list. Larry Grantham and Hugh Green are the are your linebackers. Mm. And I tell you a great one that's overlooked there and it's going way back, but uh a great player I played at Mississippi State by the name of D.D. Lewis that played uh, for the Dallas Cowboys for years. Great, great linebacker. And he, and he must have and, been and guys, as Bob to mention any cowboy. No, nah, he was. He was really <laughs> – and that's painful. But he was truly a really great football player. And as, as painful as it is, we got a, a, a bone to pick with um, Rick, Rick Cleveland. Ray, Ray Guy, not on the list. Your kicker is uh, Steven Gostowski, who is probably one of the best kickers in the history of the game. Jim Stump Taylor, Luke Johnson don't make the list. What? What? There's definitely a voting problem. Stump, yeah, well, I, Luke, I, I Tommy Waters, earlier. not on the list. Kelly, I, this is bogus. We're just I, I, wasting I our time on this. Something yes. that stinks to high heaven, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Who was the place kicker, Luke? Gostowski. Yeah, he played at Madison Central, and he's been with the Patriots uh, ever since uh, 2002, I think. We played against Has each other. Retired? Graduated think, in the he, same year. Didn't, didn't he retire, Luke? Isn't he done? He now? got injured last year, and that, that's why they uh, oh, okay. he, he didn't play for him last now, year. Now, please tell me that Richard Bird made the defensive line. I did not see Mr. Bird, and that is Come a on. very interesting. Yeah. I know that's very interesting to me. Come on, how's how's he not on the list? We got so Rick's, Rick's Rick article were Mississippi born guys. Yep. Right. Okay. Okay. Was Richard Bird born in Mississippi? You know, no, I think so. No, I think he's from up around Madison, if I'm not mistaken. But Ray Guy wouldn't be on the list because Ray was born in Georgia. Right. right. Correct. Right. He was. Right. So, Any other notable parameters? names? Any other Golden Eagles on that list we didn't touch on, Luke? <clears throat> Jamie Collins was the last one. And just to correct, Richard Bird born in Natchez, Mississippi. So, yeah, that would be a head-scratcher why he wouldn't yeah. be on there as long as he played for uh, the Oilers. 
Correct. Right. And what a great college player. What a great. Hanford Dixon, is he a Mississippi-born guy? And I think not, right? No. Yeah. Okay. There's got to be some voting boxes still out. I I think the Meridian area hasn't been heard from, or Touchdown Tommy would clearly be up there. (laughs) Now, here's a little Mississippi trivia for you guys. You think about how small the state is. Arguably, I don't think it's arguable, but greatest running back of all time, Kelly Sander, is? Walter Payton. From Columbia, Mississippi. Greatest wide receiver of all time, Luke, is? Jerry Rice. From Mississippi. Correct. Correct. I mean, how do you... Greatest quarterback of all time. Yes. I, we're not We're not going where you think I'm. Brett Favre is the greatest quarterback of all time. You think so? I Absolutely. thought you were going to say Warren Moon. I, 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 didn't, I, I thought I didn't he was going to say that. Tom Brady, and I, I didn't realize Brady was from Mississippi, but th- hey, that explains I, why I, he's I not. I really tried to clean up my language. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the greatest quarterback of all time, Kelly Sander, in all seriousness? Greatest quarterback that ever played football. I told you. You think it's Brett, Brett Favre? Followed closely by touchdown Tommy Waters. And you, Luke, who would you say is the greatest quarterback of all time? As much as I don't want to say it, it's got to be Tom Brady. I mean, it just no, has to be. At, before last year, I wouldn't have said it, okay? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, my favorite quarterback of all time is Favre, obviously. But, yeah, you, you, you look at – those top five, top six, they're always the ones that argue. It's not like a basketball where Jordan's clear above everybody else. But right. yeah, for you, who is it? Uh, I'm going. With, I, I'm going with Beltway Billy Kilmer. Oh no, <laughs> a Billy Kilmer reference, ladies and gentlemen. What has it been? Thirty years. Look it up, Billy Luke. Kilmer's name Look it up. I, I know you're you're sitting there wondering what we're talking about, Luke. Did, did the man I forgot ever the guy's name. Did, did the man ever throw a spiral, Bob, well, ever? That's the caveat. He's the greatest quarterback of all time that never threw a spiral. You clarified <laughs> okay. it for me, Kelly. Thank you very I'll, much. I'll this is why that. Kelly's on the show. He clarifies things for us. Every pass he threw looked like a wounded duck. It was awful. <laughs> ugly thing. He, he won the Pop Warner Trophy in 1960, if it makes you feel better, Bob. <laughs> To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg. Located online, toyotahattiesburg.com. And on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, you can go on their website, view their entire inventory, check out specials, even uh, get pre-approved for uh, financing. And uh, you can even value your trade. All of that at toyotahattiesburg.com. Proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. A couple notes. Uh, Conference USA gets a uh, a new football player with uh, some uh, prestigious background, Michael Irvin II, who has been at the University of Miami uh, for the last few years. He's a tight end. Uh, will spend his last year of eligibility 
at Florida Atlantic, 6'3", 234, um, tight end out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Of course, everyone remembers his father, who won those Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he will be suiting up against the, the Golden Eagles, I think, in it's like week six or seven for uh, Florida Atlantic. So Michael Irvin II uh, comes into Conference USA. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. We continue with Kelly Center. Kelly, uh, some big news out of uh, indie world uh, about fans uh, in the stands. Yeah, which actually is going to it's it's going to trickle its way down to other sports. Uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which was purchased by Roger Penske back in January, they've talked about you know running this race in late August, um, but and now it might be pushed back to October. It's still right now set for an August twenty third run, but they, again they could move it back to October, but. Here's the idea. They, they've come up with this way, and the reason we're talking about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is because that, the Indy 500 is the largest single attendance, largest attendance sporting event in the world. Okay, you've got seating for 300,000 and then another about 250,000 in the infield. But here's the idea. They're going to, they're developing, in the process of developing an app for your phone, all right, that based on where your tickets are, your section will be assigned a certain gate to report to and at a certain time. That way, and they are only going to seat one section at a time so that people are not falling all over each other, are not uh, commingling uh, unsafely, things like that. So to try, you're never going to totally get rid of, of COVID-19, but a way to minimize the exposure, and still get the fans in. Now, now once they're in, of course, they're sitting shoulder to shoulder. All right, there's nothing a whole lot you can do there, but they're going to. You'll have a to your app. They will send you a text message as to which gate, and that's the only gate that you will be allowed to enter based on where your ticket is. And then your section will be seated at a certain time, and you must be there to be seated at that time. They will do the same thing upon leaving the motor speedway. Not everybody can just pick up and leave at the end of the race. They will, in an orderly fashion, excuse sections of the motor speedway so that they can scatter safely, um, invoke social distancing, and then once one section is pretty much gone on their way, then they'll unload the next section. Might take a while to do that for 300,000 people in seats, but this could be compared to like the way the airlines seat you. You know, if you have ticket one through ten, you may... You may go now. So, again, depending on where your section is, you will be assigned a gate. You must report to that gate, and you must be seated at your assigned time. And the NBA has been so intrigued with what the IndyCar is doing. The NBA is actually thinking of of doing some, you know, figuring out some way that people can be seated in an orderly fashion and minimize their exposure to one another. So technology and sports coming together, and it looks like we're going to see it when the Indianapolis 500 is run. Are we there? <laughs> What's that? No, I, I, I guess, Kelly, my question is, how does that help? I mean, you, you get them in differently, sure, but then you got 300,000 people sitting shoulder to shoulder, so how, how does that really help anything? Bob, it's a fair question. It's, it's kind of like these questions like, you know, it's, you can't go into a store with 25 at a time, but we can have, right. um, you know, protests, which I'm, it's not about the protests. It's just about the number of people together. 
you know, at, at one time. So it's a way that they can minimize people's exposure to COVID-19. Um, but like, like we just mentioned, once you're in there, you're still going to be shoulder to shoulder. Right. Um, but at least you won't be tripping over each other and 300,000 people all crossing each other's path at once. This is a way to, to minimize or at least cut way down on the number of people that you'll be exposed to. Well, everybody's searching. That's that's absolutely for sure. Real quickly, I had a guy tell me yesterday that being at a NASCAR race is more about the, um, you know, it's more about the, the parting and what have you, that you really have a difficult time seeing the cars other than blurs that go by you on occasion. Is that true, and is that the case at the Indy 500, Kelly? Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of it, but lots of times you have trouble seeing because of uh, what the alcohol that you've consumed prior I to I see, race, yes, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> I don't think they go so fast that you can't see them. Okay. But, uh, hey, do you think the, uh, do you think the uh, head of the NCAA has ever been to a NASCAR or IndyCar race? Probably not. Is that no. what you wanted me to say? I just, I just wish he would quit talking. Yeah, again. Luke is on the NCAA this week. More on the NCAA tomorrow, and uh, we will, we will track the progress of Luke going to D one training and getting back into kicking shape. You're yeah, we got, him. we got to give him some chapstick for yeah. his rear end, man. Just... It's going to be good. We'll be back tomorrow, one o'clock. Southern Miss to, to the, the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.